Hello and welcome to episode number six of Iconoclast Tribe. This is David Avedon, and with me today is the iconoclastic Neil Martin. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> I've been called a lot of things. I don't know if I want to be called that one after listening to uh, you know, what we've been talking about for the last five episodes. Um, but here's what I do want to talk about. When we were brainstorming some stuff on this, before we even hit the record button on episode one, we were looking at your whiteboard in your office with all these notes all over it, um, where you've been planning this thing for some time, just not actually been able to like get it into fruition yet. And there, were one, there was one of the things up there that I wrote down as a, I want to know more what you mean by this, where you wrote down spirit versus law. And I want to know exactly what you mean when you say spirit versus law. Well, that's easy. Well, it's easy for me. And so anything that's spirit is always freedom. Now, I don't mean freedom in the, in the way that sometimes the world looks at freedom, like I'll do what I want, say what I want, act how I want. That's not really true freedom. That, that's just the ego out of control. But the difference between spirit and law is spirit is you being who you are. I'm being who I am. And law is I am following a bunch of rules. I'm following dogma that tells me how I have to follow a pattern. And that pattern, again, anything that, that makes you different than who you truly are is not what you want because there's not freedom in that. And so when you look at different aspects of life, um, there's, a, there's a transformational coach. Her name's Martha Beck. And she has this saying. And the saying is, shackles on, shackles off. How does it make you feel? It's like, what, what's shackled? Okay, shackles are the old, it, it's handcuffs, manacles, you know, chains with cuffs that go around your ankles and around your wrist. And what she means by that is when I think about doing something or saying something, before I do or say it and I think about it, do I feel like it's putting me in shackles or do I feel a sense of freedom? Will, I, will this bring me freedom or will this put me under chains? And again, when we look, we look at Jesus, his whole thing was turning religion upside down all of the the judaic law and all of all of those external things they used all the externals he would confront the pharisees and he's like you think because you make your robes long and, and your phylacteries wide and and you stand on the street corners and you pray and you make a big show of it all it's like god's not paying attention to you God's paying attention to the one who goes inside. And when he gives to the poor, he does it in secret so nobody sees him. And it, and the whole thing is, the law is still always going to be about externals. And spirit is always going to be about who am I inside? Am I living that truth? It's interesting. You mentioned um, Martha Beck. I mean, you know, she's got the book, you know, Follow Your North Star, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not follow the North Star. It's follow your North Star. Correct. Which means you have to establish what your own North Star is. What is it that's calling you? What is it that's pulling you? What is it that's pushing you? What is it that's driving you to do something? 
And I mean, I earlier this year, I hosted um, an online uh, an online summit, an online event um, focused around being one conversation away. So you know, you're one conversation away from basically completely changing your life. And that might be a simple conversation where someone says something to you then it could just be like two or three words like, you know, I love you or I'm leaving you or, you know, anything along those lines can change your whole life in an instant, right? Um, but there was a there was a guy that I was talking to while we were going through some of that stuff and he brought up a really, really valid point. It's a guy called Simon Lovell um, who actually, he's a Brit, but he lives here in the US now. And um, one of the things that he was talking about in one of those was about basically paying more attention to your body. So as you're talking about things or as things are being said to you, what physical feelings do you get in your body? Like, are there certain things that trigger a physical reaction in you? And if there are, are you even aware of it? Because if you're aware of how things affect you physically, if you're having such a strong response to them, they're probably part of what's guiding you, either towards something or away from it. But, you know, if someone says something and you, you, you feel your body tighten or you feel yourself relax or, you know, those kind of subtle cues, they're telling you something about how you feel about that thing and whether it serves you or, or does you a disservice. Let's go back to the question about, OK, what's the difference between spirit and, and the law? That law is always going to make me feel tight. It's always going to make me feel the visceral. That, yes, that closed. And spirit is always going to allow me to feel open and expressive. And what you pointed out about the title of her book, Your North Star, this is where it really flies in the face of anyone who seeks to control you, whether it's politics or religion. It doesn't matter because... I will tell you if I want to control you, follow my North Star. What's my North Star? Well, it's what I tell you is the truth. Not my truth, the truth. And I put a capital T when there's no capital T. And in doing so, I don't seek to make you free. I seek to make you my slave. Because if you're my slave... You're going to do all my work for me. Plantation owners. I mean, we, we saw that movie Harriet. Mm-hmm. And that plantation owner had promised those slaves that at this time, you, I'm going to set you free. And then that time came and went. And guess what? Not only did he not set them free, he sold their children. And when they confronted him, he became very hostile. But that's the way... That anything that is law always treats us, internally or externally. Internal law. So the rules that we've taken on board and we hold true for ourselves, even if they're not true for ourselves. There's a saying out there, Neil, it says, not everything you believe is true. Yeah. There's also another thing that says, or another saying, it says, question everything. Right here on my wall, it says, all you behold, though it appears without, it is within, in your imagination, of which this world of mortality is but a shadow. William Blake. 
And there's another one right there that says, we walk in the atmosphere of our own believing. Well, what does all of that mean? That means that I see a world that I believe. And if somebody told me when I was younger and I accepted what they told me was truth, I'm living my life according to the patterns of those truths, even if it's put me in chains. Because this has to be true. And that's where I ended up with religion. The longer I stayed in it, the more in bondage I became to it. But you're dead right, because what we believe and what we feel affects our biochemistry, affects everything. I mean, you know, you can you can close your eyes and you can think back to a time in your past and you can relive that experience, good or bad. And the more detailed you imagine it in your mind's eye, the more you will feel as you felt at the time. But you can also think of something completely fictitious and feel it. Yes, and that's the power. That is, and, and people fail to recognize that. That we have an absolute control over ourselves at any moment. I can stop a runaway feeling by just standing in front of it saying, whoa now. Because it's coming from within, it's not coming from without. You can say all sorts of mean and unkind things to me. Hateful. It doesn't mean that I have to allow it in. It doesn't mean I have to agree with it. But I can take it in. And I can have resentment against you. And you know what resentment actually means if you go back to the, the root of the words? So re is like to do again. Right. The sentiment part comes from an old French word, sentir, which means feel. So all we do when we have a resentment is we re-feel. So, you know, people always talk about resentment as being a negative thing because it's we hold a resentment against someone because of something they did or said or that we're unhappy about. But guess what? If I'm going to have resentments, I want good ones too. So if I'm going to refill something. I want to refill the good stuff. So, yeah, I want to have a resentment with someone rather than against them about the good things we experience so I can refill that. Because if I can't refill the good stuff, I don't want to refill the bad stuff. You know, there's a there's a famous quote. Um, it's often accredited to Carrie Fisher, but it's way older than her. Um, which is that you know, carrying a resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. As in, if you're refeeling negative things that involve another person, they probably don't even know about it. So that person is aggravating you, frustrating you, you know, making you angry, making you carry all kinds of negative emotions. But actually, it's not them at all. It's you. It's you refeeling something that over time you've probably made worse than it ever even was whereas you could just let that thing go and you could just move on with your life and you could actually feel something good instead so it's totally what you're saying everything is as we perceive it as we experience it and as we choose to respond to it in our last episode we were talking uh, about david going against goliath and david's older brother basically condemning david saying oh I i know about you But what he was really feeling was the reflection of his own cowardice, his own inability to go out and confront that giant. What stopped him? Now here's a little brother coming in, and and who does he think he is? I'm the oldest brother. If somebody's fighting a giant, why it it should be me? Well, okay, why isn't it you? Do you know what? You just led me to, I can't remember where it originates from, but a quote that I absolutely love that I think would be a great way to wrap this episode up which is the person that says that it can't be done shouldn't stop the person that's already doing it. 
And that's, but you see that time and again. People will try to limit those around them to the level of their understanding, their, the level of their belief. That word belief, if you, if you go back to the old English word that it comes from, is by life. And it, it basically is, it's how you're living. Because we don't, we really don't live by what we say we want. We live by what we believe. And it keeps showing up over and over again. And David said, I'm not going to fall prey to that. I want this thing out of my life. I want this thing out of my country. To him, it was, okay, this giant, this enemy is in my country. But if you look at it in a bigger picture, Neil, David was freeing his brothers and all of his countrymen to return home to where? To their families. This giant and this army is in their land, keeping them away from the rest of their lives. And they're not even doing anything about it. They're okay to be stuck. And that's just like religion. I will put you in this situation and you will be doing nothing. But you're definitely not going to be in a relationship with your families. You're definitely not going to be involved in... What, what were they doing? What if they were butchers and bakers and candlestick makers, but they're sitting out here in the trenches waiting for some fight that's never going to happen because their king is too chicken to come out and confront this giant, but you get some little shepherd boy comes in and says, hey, story's over. That's what Iconoclast Tribe is about, folks. It's breaking those old ideas that have been passed down and by people who have just been carrying them for generations. Nobody ever stops and says, why are we doing this? Until somebody stops and says, why are we doing this? Everybody says, shut up, shut up. (laughs) So hopefully if you're listening to us, you're stopping, you're saying... Why are they doing this? Well, we're doing this because we want to share this message with you. Um, And what you can do for us is jump on iTunes and give us a five-star review. Uh, And if you're getting value from this, share it to other people who get value from it too. Anything you want to add, David, to wrap this episode up? It just makes me think of, I I remember reading um, a, a bit ago, I can't remember exactly how long, but it was a study with these primates, um, gorillas, chimpanzees, I can't remember, I think it was chimpanzees, but they were in a, in a lab, and they basically were able to get food all the time whenever they wanted it. But they set up, that the scientists set up a banana, and they hung it from the ceiling. And, and I might be getting this wrong, but the, the premise is correct. So if, if somebody out there knows the real story, don't, you know, come and nail me Basically, but anyway, um, every time that one of the chimpanzees would go for that banana, the scientists had somebody that would spray all of the monkeys with a hose, like a fire hydrant hose. And eventually, if somebody tried to go for the banana, the rest of them would attack and stopping from going for that banana. Okay, so fast forward. Then they introduced some new monkeys in that have never been sprayed with a hose, never had any detrimental thing done to keep them from going for the banana. But guess what? If they went for the banana, all the other monkeys would stop them. They didn't know why, but they just went along with it. And then they introduced more monkeys, and guess what? Now the the, the second stage of monkeys that never got wet would go and attack the new monkeys if they tried to go for that banana. And they had no reason for it. 
Somebody just trained them. The other monkey said, don't do this. Why? Why don't you just don't? So it started to be passed on, and that's like religion. So anyway, that's, that's all I had to add, but it, it is. It's that, that same concept. Religion gets passed down. Culture gets passed down until nobody ever says, why are we doing this? Until somebody does, and then everybody's like, shut up, shut up. God's going to come down and kill us. Nobody's going to come down and kill us. Awesome. Great place to end. Nobody's going to come down and kill us. We'll see you on the next episode.